Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another podcast of EGOs. I have a special guest today. Her name is Dr. Molly Turco. She is a structural geologist for Applied Stratigraphics, and she also has her own consulting firm. How are you doing today, Molly? It's really nice to see you. Great. Thank you for hosting me today. Yeah, it's it's truly a a pleasure. So just to... um, so our listeners can learn a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from and where did you go to school? Where did you, um, where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in Kansas. And then when I was eight months old, we moved to Dubai. We lived there for about five years. So I have your typical childhood memories of like the beach, the zoo, camels. Mm. And then we moved <laughs> back to Oklahoma right before I turned six. And so I've been in Oklahoma ever since then. I actually grew up in the Tulsa area and I went to Broken Arrow High School as well as Coweta High School. Then I worked at Subway full-time and decided I don't wanna do this the rest of my life. So I went to Tulsa Community College and that's where I discovered geology. Um, Professor Claude Bowles, he was a petroleum geologist and taught one of the geology 101 courses. So I talked to him about a career in geology and went ahead, got my associates in geology. Then I went to TU, University of Tulsa, and I got my bachelor's in geology, decided to go ahead and do two more years at TU. So I got my master's in geology where I studied under Dr. Brian Tapp. And then after that, I got a job at Chesapeake Energy here in Oklahoma City. And I worked for about a year and I decided that I really missed the academic lifestyle. And it was always kind of a dream to get a PhD. So I decided to go back to school part-time at the University of Oklahoma. And what really led me to that school was my desire to study under Dr. Shankar Mitra, because he's like a world-renowned structural geologist. Like you can't do anything in structural geology and not hear the name Shankar Mitra mm-hmm. or his brother, two very famous structural geologists. So it took me about seven years or so part-time, but I finally graduated from the University of Oklahoma. And then I worked at, I continued to work at Chesapeake Energy that whole time until about last September where I was laid off, but I was quickly picked up from by Applied Stratigraphics. Ali Jaffrey with Applied Stratigraphics, he reached out to me and he really wanted to have a structural geologist on his team. And I was happy to be on his team. We do a lot of teaching and training as well as consulting when the opportunities become available. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's such a... Um... It it sounds absolutely wonderful. Could you tell us more about your structural geology background? And I noticed that you are considered a expert within um, the Anadarko Basin. Could you talk more about that? Sure. So when I was at the University of Tulsa, Dr. Brian Tapp, he has done a lot of work in the Arbuckle Mountains down in Southern Oklahoma. So I did my master's thesis on a little bit on the Arbuckle uplift but primarily in the Ardmore Basin, looking at the structures using primarily well data and a couple 2D seismic lines. And the structural geology down there is really controversial. There's decades old arguments of 
Is it strike slip? Is it thrust faulting? Um, trying to just figure out what happened. So whenever I decided to pick a study area for my dissertation, I, I felt led like I just had this desire. I wanted to answer those age old long questions like, is it strike slip? For a while, I didn't think there was any strike slip. I thought, no, this is all thrust faulting. So when I did my dissertation, I decided to go ahead and choose the structural origin of the Wichita uplift along with structures in the Anadarko Basin. And Chesapeake was very, very gracious to allow me to use pretty much all of their seismic data, which a lot of it was licensed by the vendors. So I'm very thankful to the vendors as well. So I had a pretty significant amount of seismic data to work with over the Wichita uplift and in the Anadarko Basin. And it, it took a long time. It took about seven years. And I'd say the last two years were really I did a lot of work the last two years, almost full time, trying to figure it all out. But I finally was able mm -hmm. to put together a great story on the Anadarko Basin. And as far as structural geology goes, to me, it's a big puzzle that just needs solved. And so I think that's my desire when it comes to structural geology, because I've always loved puzzles. So, mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and that's yeah. a really fun area down there, too, because there's a lot of structure. Yeah. Have you... Uh, put out publications or uh, abstracts or presentations on any of this work yet? I have. I feel like people are probably going to get pretty tired of me. <laughs> I, I've been giving <laughs> several talks on the Anadarko Basin. And while some of them are the same talks, I've kind of been tweaking them a little bit. So I have like a, yeah. a regional talk on the Wichita Uplift. I have one on the Washita Valley Fault. Now I have one on like the structural origin of the Anadarko Basin. I have two papers coming out next month in interpretation. I have one that's out now in Journal of Marine and Petroleum Geology, and then one that should be out later this year in the AAPG Bulletin, along with many abstracts and a few older articles as well from when I got my thesis at University of Tulsa. Oh, that's so amazing. I thank you so much for sharing that with the audience. Hopefully they'll go look up some of your work now. <laughs> um, I, I'm really inspired by you because um, I'm a salt sediment structure person, like structure is just a tiny piece of what I do. And um, one thing that I've noticed over the years is there is like a serious lack of structural geologists who are women. Um, I would say probably at least within the salt sediment community, there's maybe like three that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm just really happy that, you know, you have found such an amazing niche and something that I think hopefully going forward, you can really capitalize on. And I hope your talents are recognized um, going forward. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hope so too. I had some really great mentors and I have some, some great professors to thank for pointing me in the direction of structural geology. So I'm really glad to be in this mm -hmm. group of people. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, do you think you could share a little bit more with us about uh, your life as a woman in a male dominated field, how that has impacted you? Like, did you did you notice it right away or is it something that was never really an issue for you and just how that has impacted your life as being married and having kids and things like that. Sure. So 
I don't think I really thought much about it in college. Maybe I noticed that there were less women and there were more men like in my classroom settings, but I, mm -hmm. I never really thought too much about it. And then when I got into the workforce, like thankfully I've never had any bad situations, but what I noticed when I got into the corporate world was a lot of the women would dress up in high heels. They'd have like a fancy expensive <laughs> purse. And that wasn't me. <laughs> I, I like to throw my purse yeah. on the floor. So I never want to pay more than $20 for a purse. And I, I kind of felt yeah. a little bit out of place. I felt like I maybe wasn't feminine enough. Like I do like to do my hair and wear makeup, but I don't really like to wear dresses or skirts or high heels. And I, I kind of felt like maybe I didn't fit in. Maybe that's part of mm -hmm. why I wanted to go back into academics because I felt like, hey, I can wear jeans and t-shirt and fit in here. Um, so that mm -hmm. was something I definitely noticed right away that was intimidating. Like when, when you're new to the corporate world, that's very intimidating. Um, but eventually, mm -hmm. you know, I, I realized I, I was probably one of the only people with those thoughts. Like other people weren't looking at me like, where's her high heels? Um, so I, I did feel like eventually, you know, you, you find your people and they know you and they like you for who you are, no matter what you wear or how expensive your purse is. Um, but working for Chesapeake, I think was a really good company to start out with because they, they do try to make you feel comfortable and it, it's still male dominated. Like whenever yeah. we had a woman manager in the company, it was always like, oh, that's awesome. You know, they're promoting her to manager and she'll do great. So they did a, they did a pretty good job with that. Um, I don't know. I never really had any bad experiences. I, there was maybe a few men that I might call like, oh, he's a dirty old man. But personally, they were never offensive. It was just kind of like that was who they are. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of roll your eyes like whatever, dude. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I definitely would encourage young women to definitely go into the geology field. I think women think differently. I think they actually do mm -hmm. maybe a little bit better job at assessing risk, like thinking about being a mom, yeah. like my kid wants to jump off the couch and I'm like, no, don't do that. That makes me nervous and be careful. And then my husband's like, he's a boy, let him do it. I'm like, no, like think <laughs> about the risk, <laughs> like if yeah. he breaks his arm and we have to go to the ER, that's a horrible night for all of us, all because he just wants to have fun for a minute. So I, I personally think women might do a better job thinking about risk. And then I think the other hard thing that I didn't really expect that kind of took me by surprise was being pregnant. Like I was really nervous to tell my boss. I, my boss was a male at yeah. the time and he was an awesome boss. Like I, I, he did a great job, but I was so nervous. So what I did is I went to the grocery store and I got like a big box of cookies and we had our team meeting. And at the very end of the team meeting, you know, I had these cookies sitting there the whole time and they're kind of looking at me like, oh, she brought cookies. That's nice. And everyone was standing up to leave. And I was like, oh, wait, I brought cookies and, and I have an announcement to make. Uh, uh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. I was just so nervous. I was afraid they would be like disappointed. Like, oh, now you're going to have to take maternity leave or are you going to be sick during your pregnancy? And I was really nervous. And that was the same yeah. time I was actually taking my comps for at my comps at the University of Oklahoma. And so 
I did mm -hmm. my written exams and, you know, I, I wore big sweaters to the written exams. That was no big deal. But I was mm -hmm. like five months pregnant when I did my oral exams. And I don't oh think gosh. anybody in the room knew I was pregnant. I, I, I had to hide it. I don't know that I had to, but I felt like if they knew I was pregnant, that they would assume that I was going to drop out. And here I am trying to yeah. take my exams. I'm like, I'm so nervous. And that I probably look like yeah. I've gained like 20 pounds, but in the end, it all worked out. Um, my advisor, I did yeah. have to tell him I was pregnant because, you know, I had to take that summer off and he was happy for me. He, he was, he was really happy for mm -hmm. me because I mean, kids are awesome. And one of the other guys did actually know, but I didn't know he knew at the beginning and, and he was totally cool with it too. So I think it was all in my head, but I guess yeah. those are the big yeah. things that stand out to me. Yeah. I, I don't think it's all in your head. I mean, for me, I, the story that you had about like going into the corporate world and high heels and fancy purses and all that, <laughs> I definitely noticed that as well. I mean, I grew up in like, semi um rural Wisconsin like I was never surrounded by that corporate culture at all growing up like yeah. I came from a very come from a very blue collar family but like I remember feeling really intimidated by it and like I would I would look at like the banana republic um like models like when you would walk into the store and see what they had on the models and I would literally just buy the outfit off the model because I had no clue like how to dress myself and like what would look good together so I, I felt that pressure too I was just like well if Banana Republic puts it on the model then it must be okay to wear yeah. and then the fear of pregnancy I think that's really common at least in the U.S. Um, I know I haven't I haven't been pregnant yet but I'm always that has always been in the back of my mind like you have to somehow figure out the timing um, mm -hmm. to make sure that you aren't exposing yourself to potentially being like laid off or thought less of, or if you have a certain style of boss, you don't want to be pregnant and maybe a different style of boss, you would feel like it would be okay. But yeah, I, I really hope like for women going forward, that that's not something that they have to even think about necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I yeah, so I can, I can definitely. Yeah. So going back to the part in your, um, your work story about when you were laid off, I know a lot of geoscientists these days are struggling with layoffs just because of a shrinking petroleum sector and an expanding renewable sector. So do you have any advice, um, maybe like work advice or sort of, um, like coaching advice, like how you think, how you thought about things or how you got through that mentally difficult period for other listeners who may be displaced right now? Yeah. So I, I remember when I got laid off, it was definitely surprising. Um, in the natural, mm -hmm. it didn't really make sense because I knew I'm like, I'm a woman, you know, and people really want to promote women right now. And you know, I'm all for that. And I was the only structural geologist in the company. And I was really busy with projects. And I felt like I was putting out good work. So in the natural, it didn't really make sense. So when it did happen, mm -hmm. I, I think it kind of took me by surprise. But then again, it didn't. Because even a mm -hmm. year, like, we've been through a lot of layoffs. 
And about yeah. a year before I did get laid off, I, I had this feeling that it was coming. I could kind of see where the company was going. And so mm -hmm. I made it a point to start networking. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've had LinkedIn for years, years and years and years. And I would maybe get on there once every six months. And a lot of times, even when I did get on, I wouldn't even do anything. I'd maybe just, oh, I, I have a random message or something. Mm -hmm. So I knew, I know networking is very important to get exposure. So I kind of tried to just prepare ahead of time to get my network a little bit bigger because you never know who you're going to be able to reach out there. So I started posting on LinkedIn. I started these silly hashtags like, fractured Fridays and faulty Mondays mm -hmm. and that I felt like they were so silly but they ended up being a hit like people really liked them so I just tried to keep that going and grow my network and then you know I, I kind of saw where the company was going they did eventually file for bankruptcy and I knew yep. when the layoffs were coming I even though it didn't make sense in the natural in my heart I, I knew it was my turn so I tried yeah. to mentally prepare myself as best you can. And yeah, it was hard. Like it, it was surprising. And I'm kind of, people call me naive and I am probably a little bit naive, but I tried to just not think too hard about it. I try to just look to the future. For me, yes. it kind of felt like rejection. It kind of felt like they were telling me I wasn't good enough that for whatever reason they didn't need me and honestly that kind of drove me to network harder and really reach out there and really be seen and really be heard because I'm a very quiet person I'm very introverted and yeah I it kind of pushed me like it pushed me to get mm -hmm. heard and I, I I want people to respect me but I know that I have to earn respect but it is something that I desire like I love structural geology. I want people to think of structural geology and then think, oh, Molly Turco, she's like, I don't know, the, the queen mm -hmm. of structural geology or something. So the emotions yeah. were there and I tried to just let those emotions drive me to do better, to make sure I was heard. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm really thankful to Applied Stratigraphics and Ali Jaffrey because I kind of feel like he gave me a platform to stand on. He's, He's allowing me to teach these courses, which I absolutely love teaching. That's my favorite thing. So he's allowing me to teach these field courses and these other courses, which I've been preparing for. And that's kind of driven me to keep my mind busy and to stay busy and to keep doing geology work. And then I went ahead and also started my own like LLC consulting firm because you never know, you know, as, as many presentations as I'm giving, as much information and knowledge I have on structural geology in the Anadarko Basin and even other basins in the U.S. as well, like the Powder River, the Appalachian, you just never know who might come knocking and say, hey, we've got these odd structures. Will you help us out with this? And I want to I want to be be prepared. So if that does happen. I can use my Turco Tectonics and Structural Geology mm -hmm. LLC, put that to good use. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I guess going back to your original question, there were a lot of emotions and I'm trying to just use those emotions to drive me forward. I try not to reflect mm -hmm. on the past too mm -hmm. much. And I try to just be thankful because Chesapeake did a lot. They let me use their data. They train me. They sent me to like 
Turks and Caicos and Canada and the Rocky Mountains. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. good that came out of it. And there's a lot of good people that work there. And I don't want anything bad for them. Even though like I do kind of get this twinge of like, oh, they rejected me. They, I wasn't good enough. Yeah. But I just use that to push myself harder going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I, I think like, you know, we're all human and we, we feel all sorts of things, but it's almost like you have a choice. You can choose to let those emotions overcome you. And of course it's natural to feel sad um, when you like lose your job or you're affected by the pandemic, for example, but just to keep in mind to like, try not to tear down the walls around you, like encourage you try to put a positive spin on it. So how can you take all your energy and, and like you said, propel yourself forward. I think that's really important. And like, as we continue to grow and mature as like a geologic community, that's becoming more in touch with maybe some soft skills, hopefully (laughs) that people will be able to, to do that. So yeah, thank you so much. Do you have any um, tips or advice about what you do to stay healthy and to stay uh, happy within your career? Um, it helps that I'm naturally very passionate about structural geology. Um, but right now, while I don't have a full-time job, I'm just trying to take advantage of the pretty days. So every couple of days I'll look at, you know, the seven day or the 10 day outlook and I'll figure out which day is going to be the warmest day and the sunniest day. And then I'll start planning a field day. So I'm about a two hour drive from the Wichita mountains and a two hour drive from the Mm -hmm. Arbuckle mountains. So definitely planning for those hikes has been really helpful. And I've allowed myself to have a couple of gifts. (laughs) So I bought Mm -hmm. myself a nice Canon camera. It's, I mean, it's, it's like a $500 camera, which to me is really nice. And then I bought a nice drone, like not a real big fancy one, but a nice one. So since I love geology, and I like to post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. I've been using my camera more often, trying to learn how to be a better photographer, as well as learning how to like fly my drone and take videos. So that's that's been a lot of fun to kind of feed those, that geology passion, but then also some hobbies. And you know, that, that allows me to develop some skills as well. Yeah. And, you know, I know several people who are laid off right now and they're still making cross sections and making maps and, you know, looking like learning YouTube videos of how to make a map with free software or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really helpful to kind of keep our passion alive in geology. And, you know, just, I don't know. I guess I'm just a positive person naturally. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. what else to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any like, um, passion around, well, you probably hiking. Cause that's like something I know for me personally, like I absolutely love hiking and the best way to get myself in a better mood is to like go out and take a hike or something like that. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's so cool. I love, I noticed your LinkedIn post. That's actually originally how, like I figured out who you were was through <laughs> your LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. And I really do like your post. Please continue. Um, doing all of that. <laughs> cool. Cool. I will. Yeah. It, it kind of makes it fun because it, it's 
almost inspiring. It's like a drive, like, oh, I, I don't have any good field photos. I guess that means it's time for a field trip. Like, when's the next warm yeah. day? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So do you actually, have you run a field trip yet? Or have you just been sort of chipping away and putting together a field trip for when people can travel again? So I've ran the field trip to Southern Nevada several times, but that was for Chesapeake. And this year we're going to run it okay. again in the fall. Um, I'm, I don't know. Well, yeah, there's talks about maybe doing it earlier in the summer or maybe late spring, but we're definitely planning on doing mm -hmm. it the first week of November. And then the one here in Southern Oklahoma I've ran that one as like a day trip, usually spending like a day down there. But what we're hoping mm -hmm. to do is to turn that into a week long trip where we do maybe two days in the Arbuckles and then maybe three days in the Owachitas. Cause there's a lot to see in the Owachita mountains. Cause you can do it in Southeastern mm -hmm. Oklahoma and then bring that all the way even into Arkansas. So there's a lot to see there. So as far as the week long trip, trip we haven't done that one but I I do day trips I don't know maybe a couple times a year mm -hmm. oh that's so good I really hope that once oh sorry go ahead I lost my um no my I would say I'd really love to <laughs> I'd really love to run one in the Wichita mountains but I don't know how many people are interested in igneous rocks at least in the oh, oil and gas industry <laughs> yeah no kidding is there any sort of resources associated with them in any capacity that you know of um, not that I know of, but it is something that's on my radar. So I've probably mm -hmm. spent, you know, close to 20 hours in the past two weeks watching YouTube videos on ore deposits and precious mm -hmm. minerals and how those mm -hmm. things are mined and how they come about, like the different environments. So it, I keep thinking about the Wichita mountains when I'm reading these. And I, I assume that if there was a great resource, I would already know about it. But maybe, maybe I don't know about it, or maybe it's hasn't been discovered yet. I don't know. Maybe wishful yeah. thinking. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you never know. And and yeah, like I think a lot. I mean, when you talk to people in the mining industry, they say, you know, a lot of things have been discovered. But I guess I personally, I always like thinking of exploration style topics like that. And because you're a positive person, you always think like glass, glass is half full. Well, what if there's something that we've missed? Because, well, historically speaking in science, we always miss things. That's kind of what leads to the next generation of science. So you never know. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, it's so good. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me. It has been so nice to talk to you. I really enjoy your positivity and I'll definitely keep watching you on LinkedIn and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Same to you. <laughs> Bye, Molly. Take care. Bye. Thank you.